0: good to uh, be here with you all this morning um, on a Sunday. I want to start off by, uh, again, just uh, doing a a calibration for a few moments. Um, How do you feel? How are you doing? Um, You know, whether you're feeling good, whether you're feeling bad, um, do you know the reason why you're feeling that way? Um, Is your stomach upset? Um, are, you, are you feeling some aches and pains? Now, for those of us who are getting older, um, it's probably hard to pinpoint you know, where those aches and pains originated from. But um, at least you can say, well, it's just I'm getting old. Um, it's important um, for all of us to kind of be mindful that we are two separate people in, in one body. Um, how you feel this morning has nothing; should have nothing to do with how your you should have no reflection on your your spiritual self. Amen. Rather, your spiritual self should have some reflection on your physical self. Mm-hmm. I say that to say this. I was thinking about. Uh, I ran into a, uh, a gentleman um, uh, yesterday in the laundromat, and his name is Fernando. And, uh, Fernando is, he, he was, a, he was a drug addict, he was homeless, um, he, he sold drugs, um, you know, really down and out, and he came across Iglesia de Cristo in, uh, in Outwater, and they got him into a real rehabilitation home, and he's, he's turned his life around, and he gives all glory to God for this, you know, kind of change in his life, mm-hmm. and, uh, he was talking to me about what we do. And I said, hey, well, he's having some, some issues connecting with the uh, the minister there. And, and I don't know, that's how I perceived it. I don't know how it is really, but my perception is. And I said, well, hey, if, if you feel like you're not getting spiritually fed, uh, you know, come by and, and, and worship with us. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking about the the dates and such. worship. he's like, well, do you guys get... Do you guys worship in person? I said, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, COVID is is always kind of a, a variable um, you know, in the midst, but you know, we 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 have been worshiping in person and he said, you know, one thing and and I can't remember how he phrased it, but he said, um that's one thing, that's one thing I have difficulty with is that fellow Christians don't like to be around one another. Uh, very often, and I was thinking about that today, where I do most of my, you know, good well, actually, it wasn't. I didn't. Okay, I'm gonna go into the weeds here, but when I'm getting ready in the morning, that's when I do my some really deep seated thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was thinking this morning, you know what? Do I enjoy fellowshipping with you all. Mm. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. Do I really enjoy it? Mm-hmm. I mean, if someone was to say, right now, while I'm feeling tired, I'm in pain, I'm uncomfortable, I- I'd really like to be at home sleeping. <clears throat> I-, I sent Brother and Sister Marzette a text at 4 a.m. this morning. So I woke up in like sweating profusely because I forgot to turn the pool pump off, and I was like, "My goodness, I probably burnt up that, you know, three hundred dollar pump outside." So I got up, you know, I didn't even, you know, get fully clothed to go outside, but ran outside, turn off the pump. Then I was thinking, "Oh, I need to talk. I need to text brother and sister Marzette about the vehicle." And I was like, "Oh." I forgot to text brother, brother, people about the scripture, scripture reading. So both of y'all got uh, a text early, early this morning. But that r- ruined my whole sleep cycle. Mm-hmm. So now I'm I'm a little worn down. Mm-hmm. I could sleep a little bit more. But getting to the point, if someone said, "Hey, we're gonna have a party at you know a fellowship at my house, just come on by." You know what? My body would be saying, Thomas, just come up with a convenient excuse. That would be my body. My body would be telling me, you, you don't, you don't really want to. Don't go fellowship. Go home, relax, take off shoes. Just, in. it's Sunday. This is the last day before the work week, and you know how busy your work life is. It's super hectic all the time. And that's my body having a reflection upon my spiritual self. You know, if, if fellowshipping with you all is, is the priority, if it's something that I truly enjoy, then regardless of how my body feels right now, my spiritual self is gonna have a reflection on my physical self. In that, in spite of the fact that I'm tired and worn down, I'm gonna get my, my, you know, these 42-year-old legs together, I'm going to jump into the car and I'm going to go wherever the fellowship is. Mm-hmm. Yes. I say that in the context of, of this. If somebody said, and Sister Bell has used this analogy before, so I'm going to, I'm going to give her the, the credit in the confines of the lesson, is if somebody had said today, come over to my house and I'll give you a million dollars, but you have to stay for six hours and play Monopoly. Now, my family knows that Monopoly, to me, is one of the most arduous, boring games on the planet Earth. I would rather do push-ups, sit-ups. I would rather stand outside in the hot sun and, and look at rocks before I... There's more enjoyment to me in that than playing Monopoly, but... Let's say, for example, if somebody said that, and because, and again, I've asked you to take stock of how you feel right now. What would you do? I'd say 99.99999% of us would get up and go and sit there and be like, well, he said I got to sit here for six hours and play this boring game or listen to, uh, you you know, talk or... Or listen to the Bible or, or discuss or sing songs of praise or, or pray for six hours but hey, it'll be worth it because I'll be a million dollars richer you know when the scripture says that you know when when uh, when rather Paul says oh wretched man that I am I think that speaks to the wretchedness that that we struggle with every day, is at times we allow the physical feelings of our bodies, the hormonal, you know, imbalances that controls our emotions to impact our spiritual selves instead of vice versa. Oh, wretched man that I am. Mm -hmm. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you could turn to uh, the book of Exodus. Um, Exodus, the 32nd chapter. We've we've read this, uh, or I have used this as as a lesson text many, many times. It says, um, and, and we're not going to read the entire book of Exodus, the 32nd chapter, but we know it well. It was in the movie. Um, you know, the the nation, of, or sorry, the Hebrews had, had recently, um, or the Israelites, excuse me, had recently been uh, released from Egyptian bondage. I mean, it wasn't like yesterday, but it was very soon after, meaning they had seen and experienced the seven plagues. Um, they had been led by a pillar of fire at night and uh, a cloud in the daytime. Um, they had been fed with, with manna and with quails. Um, they had seen all of these miraculous events. You remember in our Wednesday and I Bible class, we talked about you know above nature, Well, these were above nature, were supernatural um, experiences that uh, only could have happened with the hand of God. And just because Moses was late for dinner um, in the 32nd chapter, um, the people went to Aaron and his sons who were set aside to be priests to administer the, um, the, the spiritual worship... Uh, Between the people and God, they went to Aaron and said, Hey, Aaron, um, we need an idol. We need something to worship because Moses is gone and and we don't know what's happened to him. Um, If you look down at verse number nine, it says in Exodus the 32nd chapter and verse number nine And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff necked people. Now, my mom would use the word hard-headed. Stiff-necked is just about the same thing. And, you know, my my study Bible says uh, stiff-necked or a synonym for stiff-necked is uh, stubborn. Stubbornness is something that I struggle with. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're meek. But I am less so. I'm working on it, brothers and sisters in Christ. That God has, <coughs> God has, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He has chastised me um, many times to highlight my stubbornness. But I can understand, you know, from a human aspect of what they're going through. Now, I don't know how long Moses was late. I know that. When he went up in the mountain, they, they saw thunderings and, and lightning. They saw all of these things going on. And they were like, well, Moses must be dead. So we need something. We need, we need some figurehead to, for us to put our hope and faith and trust in. And they reflected upon their experiences in Egypt. Because that's what the Egyptians did. Right? The Egyptians would take precious jewels and metals and, and form it into um, an idol and they would worship it. And they saw, based on their experience in Egypt, the power of, of putting your hope and faith in something precious and ascribing supernatural powers to that thing. I mean, you think about the Egyptians uh, I was, you know, watching uh, uh, a documentary and it says that the Egyptians um, the, the the Great Pyramid of Giza is something like well over 3 million stones and, you know, these stones are perfectly carved and symmetrical and they said that in order to you know, erect the great tower of Pisa. That it had to be perfect from the from from the very foundation, because if if it weren't perfect at the bottom, by the time they got to the top, it would be somewhat like cattywampus. So, what what we're talking about here is we're talking about a people who were able to do great things, and the Israelites were not a great people. They were weak. So what do they do they allow their physical selves their physical emotions to impact their spirituality so much so that they fell into idol worship it says that after you know moses went down there and and god's wrath was waxed hot he was going to destroy him um, moses said hey please have mercy on these people he goes down in his anger in his own anger he throws down the tablets of the, of the Ten Commandments, and they're they're broken into million uh, in, into various pieces. Um, Moses has a conversation with Aaron, right? And um, it says uh, in um, the twenty fifth verse, or sorry, uh, the twenty first verse, Moses says unto Aaron. Why did this this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, (laughs) Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot on me. You know those people. You know us, the people, that they are set on mischief. For they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, you know, never mind the fact that it wasn't Moses who had done all of this. It was God Almighty. But because they needed a figurehead, because their faith was based on sight, because their faith was put into this man Moses and not the Almighty God, he's late for dinner just once. And they say, no, we need to make us an idol. work uh, An idol. Again, going on in verse number 25. For as is Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And he said unto them, whoso And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me. Then I cast him into the fire. And there came out this calf. Now, I have made that exact same excuse before to my mom. Listen. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I mean, I I just you know things got away from me really quickly, and this is what came out. I, I, I really wasn't intended. <laughs> Come on, you know, you know me, mom. You, you, it's your fault you left me alone in the first place. It's your fault that you exposed me to these to these what what I, what. I, I didn't say temptations, but you know, it's your fault that you gave me this freedom. I remember in college, I was, I hadn't even started college. My mom gave me her phone card. If y'all remember, Pac is like a credit card, right? So you could go to a, um, a, a, you know, a pay phone. You got the card, you could punch in the code and they would just charge it to, uh, to your bill. Well, I was overtaken by this young woman, <laughs> and I called her often, and my mom was like, there's a $600 phone bill. Now, $600 back in 1998, wow, you can, you remember what the minimum wage was back then? What, like 675 maybe? Something like that, 725 I mean... I'd have to work an entire week in order to pay back. My mom would have to sacrifice food and water, so she got on me. And I was like, "Mom, listen, I don't know what happened. It started off with one phone call, and it just came out. You know, it's not my fault, Mom. You know who I, you know how I am. You gave me the car." You said, use it at your discretion. It was my discretion. That was the last time I got spanking. Mm -hmm. So we see here Aaron saying something similar. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just asked the question. They gave it to me. I went into the fire, and because I know how to make, you know, what was it? A a golden calf. I mean, golden calves are really easy to make. I only had a limit. I mean, I would have made something else if I had more gold. But this is what came out. Now, I'm, I'm adding in my own inflections, because the scripture doesn't say that. But what it does say is that he took the raw ingredients, he went into the fire, and There came out this calf. And when Moses saw that the people were naked, check this out. Mm -hmm. For Aaron had made them naked unto their shame uh, among their enemies. Mm -hmm. My brain is having a hard time rationalizing that, right? How do you accidentally make people naked? Right. Well, there's a there's a purpose behind that. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to switch gears for a second because I wasn't intending to go this direction. My the title of my lesson was really silence is permission, but I'm not tracking down that path right now for whatever reason. But you know, I'll go over to God. He's directing me in a different direction. But I do want to just touch on silence's permission just for a few moments here. Moses was, or sorry, Aaron was just as guilty as they were. Mm-hmm. What you'll see is that um, what was it? Uh, I don't know how many people died. Um, just in it says in verse number 35 the Lord uh, plagued the people because they made the calf, which Aaron made in verse number 35. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, a lot of people died. Let's just say that. Um, We know that, uh, you know, an entire generation of individuals died as a result of this uh, transgression. Mm -hmm. And if you know the number of how many people died uh, after the lesson, um, maybe you can share that with us. I, I just don't have that figure off the top of my head. But I know a number of people died. Why? How, or rather, how could those lives have been spared? You know how those lives could have been spared? Is if Aaron had said something. Yes. If Aaron had said, time out. Stop! We are not doing this. That's all he had to say. All he had to do was stand up in front of a crowd and just speak the words of truth. Mm -hmm. But instead, Aaron said, you know these people. You know how they are. They're stiff-necked people. They wouldn't have listened to me anyway. The reason why I I, want to talk about um, silence is permission and then I'll get back to um, the other track that I was on for a few moments is they are tied together fear apprehension um, a lack of confidence nobody's going to hear me all of those things were the exact same things or the exact excuses rather that Moses gave to God previously. If you look at the very beginning of the book, uh, the chapter of the book of Exodus, we read that Moses was called out by God. You know, while he was in the wilderness, he saw a burning bush that wasn't really on fire and burning. But God, speaking through the angel that manifested itself in the form of this burning bush, told him that I am going to send you before the most powerful ruler of the area, or of that time, and I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna tell you to go to that leader and, and ask for the release of my people, right? And Moses was like, I can't do it. I can't do it because I'm slow of speech, you know. Not to mention the fact that I'm wanted for for murder. Um, not to mention the fact that you know, who am I to stand before? Pharaoh and Moses and Moses was told by God, don't worry about it, just open your mouth, and I will speak through you. Aaron and his sons failed in their obligation to speak the truth. Mm-hmm. And because of their silence, they permitted mm-hmm. or brought the sin upon all of those Israelites and thousands of people died as a result. I tell my kids all the time, I'm not your best friend. Mm -hmm. I don't care to be your friend. Mm -hmm. The reason why I don't care to be their friend is that there are going to be some things that I'm going to have to say that are not friendly. Right? I mean, if I... (coughs) If my obligation is to be a friend to someone, right, um, or to a friend of my kids, then I will be less inclined to stand up and speak the truth. I am, I am going to be I'm apprehensive. I'm going to be fearful because I don't want to destroy that relationship, that friendship that we have. Uh, created between the two of us. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew. to mark the 14th chapter. How about that? Mark the 14th chapter starting at verse number 66. Now, I do want to highlight something here. Before Jesus, and this is the account of Jesus' betrayal, his arrest, and his unlawful trial, for the Sanhedrin um, of the Jews. Sanhedrin was kind of the the Jewish political court. um, And they convened a, 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 uh, I'm not sure if I'm using the word correctly, but they had convened a, a court of the Sanhedrin in the middle of the night. They don't do that. It, it was uncustomary. It was unlawful. They didn't do it the right way under Jewish law, but they did it nonetheless. When Jesus was betrayed in the garden of gets, outside the garden of Gethsemane, um, Judas Iscariot comes up to uh, comes up to him and you know says you know gives a friendly greeting and kisses him on the cheek, mm-hmm. knowing and by kissing him on the cheek that was a signification to the to the Jews that were going to arrest Christ that that's the man that we need to arrest. Now, Peter pulls out a sword and says, not today, and cuts off the ear of one of the people, the Jews, who wanted to arrest him. And Jesus says, that's that's not the response that I'm looking for. Put your sword away. He who lives by the sword dies by the sword. So, he picked up this ear and made a hole on this Jews on this Jews face. Now I rubbed my head again because that would have been enough for me to say guys, I, I think we're arresting the wrong man. Did, did y'all not see my ear that was just cut off and now it's back on the side of my head? That would have been, okay you guys can do what you want I'm not going to be a part of it, but the scriptures moved on that. We, we don't know, you know, we don't know the details of, uh, we certainly don't know what was going through that person's mind. Nonetheless, um, Peter had just been told that he was going to deny Christ twice before, or three times before the cock crowed twice. So, in the 66th verse, Peter is you know, in this, you know, uh, you know in the, the crowd of this unlawful uh, uh, Jewish court. And it says, And Peter was beneath in the palace. There cometh out one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand what you're saying. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. And a maid saw him again, and began to say unto them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again. And after a little while, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean. And thy speech agreeeth thereto. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man whom ye speak and the second time the cock crew and Paul called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him before the cock crow twice thou shalt deny me thrice and he went and when he thought thereon he wept now this is a great example of your physical body reflecting upon your spirituality or your spiritual self he was afraid of being arrested he was afraid of being scorched and maybe in the same fashion that Jesus was Um, he just did not want any party to it at all right because his physical body was telling him fight-or-flight self-preservation do not own up to this because you know rest assuredly what is going to happen and this body wants to continue to live this body does not want to experience pain Now, we we did mention about silence is permission. But there's other ways for you to be silent. Mm -hmm. And in this instance, Peter was silent in that, what did he do? In that he denied Christ. He did not speak the truth. Brother Marzette always tells me, um, I'll remember it, is we always need to contend for the faith. Every time we talk about, you know... um, You know, we saw this or saw that or heard of this. He's like, hey, we need to contend for faith. And that is in the book. He's just copying it from the Word of God. But when I hear that, I hear, Thomas, stop being a wimp. Stop being fearful. Stop being afraid. It's not about self-preservation. It is about speaking truth. And Peter, once he comes to the realization he's allowed his physical fear, his physical body, the emotions that are associated with that to overcome his, his good sense, what does he do? It says that he left the building. In other passages of scripture, it says that he ran away from that building weeping bitterly. Now, I don't know if you wept bitterly, but I have. It's not pretty. Just nose, tears, face all contorted, shaking, just absolutely upset and distraught. That's, the, that's what Peter was. Now, let's look at another passage of Scripture. Let's go to the book of Revelation. Now, in Revelation, the second chapter, there are, were seven churches and uh, these which uh, were represented by seven stars and seven golden, golden candlesticks as referenced in Revelation the first chapter in verse number 20. Mm-hmm. Now in verse number 18 there is a congregation in Thyatira. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and again with the reference of silence is permission right? They, it says in verse number 18 of Revelation the second chapter. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame afar, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works in charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Now, this was all accounts a good congregation. Right? Mm-hmm. They were showing love and, and charity and doing and, and having extreme patience. And I use extreme because of what it says in the next verse. But Jesus says, I know of thy patience and thy work and their and and your humility in that the last is put before the first. But it says in verse number 20, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. What's a friend? Is a friend a yes man? or is a friend a truth man? Mm-hmm. I you know I, I think about you know um, people I have chosen to associate myself with uh, in my life. You really don't want to hang around people who are always you know pointing this out and pointing that out what you're doing wrong, you know what you could be doing better at. You know, you want to be around people who, you know, are just as dirty as you are, right? Have the same poor habits as you do. Who like, you know, to to live the same lifestyle that you do. Those are the people that we choose to be our friends, right? Because nobody wants to be pointed out all the time what they're doing wrong. Even though it's the truth. I didn't like to hang around Sister Bill. And she's laughing. I'm laughing as well on the inside. But it was the truth. Now, I'd love to go and hang around with her if Heather were there. Because I had an incentive. Right? But here's what I'm saying. Every single time I went over to Sister Bill's house, the conversation would start off well enough. You know, we talk about politics, we talk about school, we talk about this, we talk about that, and then eventually she'd get into, I have a few things, that withstanding, or not withstanding, I have a few things to talk to you about, young man. You were late, <laughs> you didn't have a tie on, one time you came to Wednesday night Bible class with, with jeans on. The next time I see you, put your arm around my granddaughter and you're not married. Right? And she re- she remembers all these conversations. And it got to a point where I didn't appreciate that fellowship because, oh my goodness, I'm I'm just gonna hear all the good stuff, but sure enough I'm gonna hear some of the bad stuff as well. It's not until you know, now that I've gotten a little bit older that I've come to appreciate those conversations. Yeah. Because those were conversations of truth. She didn't say those things just because she was saying those things because she cares enough about me oh, man. Um, to point out things that can make me better. Now, do I do I, do I agree with all the, the uh, uh, constructive criticisms? No. But I do know that they come from a good place. They come from a place of love. You know, it's you probably heard it in, in your workplace about assuming positive intentions first. You know, I, I've come to learn and to know the love that she has for me, so I always assume positive intentions. Even though I don't maybe don't agree with a hundred percent, I take it for what it is. Mm-hmm. But she could be a friend. Like we all define friendship where every time I come around she just you know shoots the breeze with me and you know I never get any correction I never get any insights to be better it's just all let's talk about sports let's talk about the 49ers let's talk about the Warriors let's talk about you know this and then we say okay bye then off we go we think that is what a friend is what does Jesus describe as a friend? He says, you are a friend. You do whatsoever I command you. And if you are my friend, right, I will happily lay down my life for you. Because no greater love can a man show than this than he laid down his life for his friends. Again, going back to Revelation, the second chapter, um, in verse number 21, it says, I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Mm-hmm. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Mm-hmm. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Mm-hmm. But unto you, I say, and the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none of none. I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already. Hold fast till I come. He that overcometh and keepeth my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. Mm -hmm. You know, permission is silence. Or silence is permission. The elders there had an opportunity to save Jezebel and all of these people who were going to be destroyed by God for their sin if they had just said something. Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians that it was commonly reported that there was fornication going on in that congregation. Why? Because we wanted to be friends. We wanted to be buddy-buddy. Right? Whatever you do in your home is between you and God. Out of mind, out of sight, I don't want to know, but it was commonly reported that there was some stuff going on. Paul Openly rebuked them for the fact that they did not chastise this man who was having relations with his father's wife he held the elders accountable for that he said you need to take care of this and then 2nd Corinthians he applauds them for doing just that I'm going to read a passage of scripture that that at least in my own life um I I really, you know, sometimes I wish I could, you know, have a tattoo on my forehead, but it had to be in reverse because when I look in the look in the reflection in the mirror, I need to be able to read it. Right. So a person wouldn't be able to read it because it'd be backwards, but every time I look into the mirror, I wanna I wanna be able to read these words in 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, mm-hmm. in verse number 2. Paul told Timothy. Preach the word. Be instant. You know what instant is? Like right now. When it says instant oatmeal, you know how long it takes to, you know, to boil to boil water. Well, it depends on where you are on the globe, what elevation you are, but it does take time. By the time I'm done boiling the water, I can just say cold syrup. Right, but instant oatmeal you take this, these oats you add water, put it in the microwave for a minute instantaneous oatmeal you eat it, you go on about your day it is right now and Paul says again preach the word be instant, in season you know when it's you know in season I, I think about I think about convenience right be instant when it's convenient and out of season when it's not so convenient reprove my my when i when i my study bible when it says reprove means to reveal or to make known reprove rebuke you know what it means to rebuke stand up for what's right Exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. You know what exhort means? It means to get that constructive criticism. Exhort, uh, support, highlight, edify with the intention of getting that person who's hearing to be more than they are today. Exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. You know what long-suffering means? Long. It's not short-suffering. Meaning, if they don't get it the first time, I've got to say it the second time, mm-hmm. and the third time, and the fourth time, mm-hmm. and the fifth time. However long it takes, I'm going to suffer through this exhortation even though it's, it's frustrating, it's frustrating, brothers and sisters in Christ. I know that frustration. I, I, I tell you this, as sure as I'm standing here, my mom, if she were here, my mom is a different person. Let me just say that, uh, Sister Garner, Mrs. Garner, however you want Grandma Garner is a different person than she was back then. I tell my little ones all the time. Y'all don't want Mama Garner to resurface because that woman is completely different than the woman that I grew up with. But she'll tell you it was frustrating to uh, um, to raise Thomas. And you know what? She'll probably say she'll probably put a little a little kind spin on it. You know, he is my only son, and I love him. And he was adventurous. And nah, 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 nah. She's a different woman now, so she's she's got hindsight. You know, that you know, she's got the 20-20 that comes with hindsight. But she would probably finish off by saying, I whoop that boy every day almost. And he continued to do the exact same thing. You know, but she did it because the long-suffering of her love that that long suffering of 18 years of raising this knucklehead child called Thomas Garner uh, was to her. Secondarily you see, and doctrine, which means brothers and sisters in Christ, when I exhort, I can't give you my exhortation based on my opinion. Okay. I can't say, I think you should do this because I think it's appropriate. No, that's not what Paul, Peter is in Timothy. Peter is telling Timothy to preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort all long suffering, and doctrine. There has to be a doctrinal basis for the words that are coming out of your mouth. Verse number five says, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry now let's talk about how you feel I've got friends quote unquote friends do your friends curse I'm I'm, Not, not the older folks I, I, I say this to say that, I told Heather the other day, I don't have many friends, my friends are you all here in this room, okay. she's like, well, you should have other friends, no, don't you, you know, you're my best friend, uh, and, and actually, I don't know if Sister, Mark, uh, Sister Tiffany is on the phone, but she says that quite often, yeah. you need to go out and get some friends. No, I, I, I really don't need to. Um, because I've got all the friends I need. I mean, if God wanted me to have more friends, he would provide me with more friends. But these are all the friends that he feels appropriate for me to need. But I'm talking about the younger folks. Or I'm talking about Thomas Garner um, when I was younger. Some of my best friends were non-Christians. And They lived differently they spoke differently they um, thought of women differently than I did and I would hear this you know but I wanted to be friends right because nobody wants to be friends with a good a a do-gooder nobody wants to be around somebody who's always saying well you can't do that because Jesus said you know the Word of God says you can't do this or we can't do that. Nobody wants... I would be alone. I wouldn't have any friends. Do you understand where I'm going with this, brothers and sisters in Christ? Mm -hmm. Amen. How we allow the fear of loneliness. How we allow apprehension. You know... I'm apprehensive because I'm just one person in this crowd. Or I'm apprehensive because I'm I'm the only Christian in this group. I'm, I'm apprehensive because I enjoy hanging out with these folks. But when they talk this way, you know, I, I kind of think, well, you know, I've got to take the good with the bad here. Brother Marzette, um... um Well, I know this isn't like a call and response time, but if you can, can you open up your Bible, Brother Marzette, and turn to um, give me give me one second here. Turn to. Um, 1st Corinthians the 4th chapter, I think that's where I want to be and then uh, brother people can you open your Bible and turn to 1st Timothy the 3rd chapter Brother Marzette, can you start reading at verse number one, 1 Corinthians, 4. fourth chapter? Let, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of men's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified? But he that judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. When I was a youngster, my mom... Um, and again this is kind of that exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, there's a doctrinal basis for the things that she told me, which is <clears throat> don't be afraid of what the crowd or the mob will say or do to you always stand up for the truth people are going to judge you regardless of what you do at the very least and because they're going to judge you regardless of what you do at least have them judge you for standing up for truth Amen. do you understand what Paul wrote here mm-hmm. he said uh, you know he accounted at He it says he accounted <clears throat> he says that Men should account him rather as a minister of Christ, as a steward of the mysteries of God. And it says, moreover, it's required that a steward be a man who is faithful. If you have, have accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ as the truth, you've been baptized into uh, the body of Christ. You know, which is a priesthood. In and of itself, right? If you are a steward of that priesthood, then you have to be a man who is found faithful. And one thing that he says in verse number three through five is that he doesn't care who judges him, how they judge him, how they see him, what they say about the words that come out of his mouth, because at the end of the day, it is God who reveals the hidden things of the darkness. He is the one that that will reveal what is in man's heart. And if if we are all found and judged to be righteous, then we will have God's praise. That's right. I go back to what my mom said, and, and it just rings in my mind. Why I don't do it consistently is another story altogether. But what rings in my mind, she said, don't worry about what people say about you. They're gonna judge you regardless. You could look just like everybody else and because you have a wrinkled shirt, somebody say, look at his wrinkled shirt. His, you know, you could have one hair askew and somebody will judge you based on them want to look at her. She's got nappy hair. She ain't got that good hair, right? There's always something that people will judge you about. With that knowledge, okay, fine. I'm going to. They're because they're going to judge me regardless. At least let them judge you, because you speak the truth, the words of God, um, brother people. First uh, Timothy, the third chapter, mm-hmm. uh, verse number one. Please. This is this is a true saying. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. Oh, wait, stop. Time out. You remember what I was saying about I am not my kid's friends, Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the bishop or an elder is one who needs to be blameless. You know, he, he, he's, he's got to be hospitable, he's got to be knowledgeable. He has to be a good report. But where it matters most, or where it matters first, is that he rules, he has has shown an ability to rule over a house well. Mm -hmm. And what does it say? That his children need to be, what again? Subjection with all gravity. Mm -hmm. Subjection with all gravity. Mm -hmm. So... I tell my my beautiful, compassionate, smart, intelligent, athletic, um, intellectual, artistic, and sometimes mouthy daughter, Allison. She's my sister in Christ, right? I love her to death. And I love her spirit. I love who she is. I will I've told her before I never want her to change one iota. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to me exhorting with all long suffering and doctrine as her dad, mm-hmm. that's it. Oh, the buck stops there. Right. She may disagree, she may not, she may judge my words to be harsh. Now, you know, there are there is some some Doctrinal basis for me to speak in a certain way. Right. Right. But right? I raised my finger that sometimes constructive criticism, exhortation with long suffering and doctrine, right? I may say it the sweetest way, but she may perceive it to be harsh. Yes. So you can judge it however you want to. But listen, when that exhortation and long suffering and doctrine is given, that is it. You will do. You don't have an option. Oh, Amen. I'm not asking for permission. I'm not giving it to you with the the mindset of let's talk about it, let's debate it, let's figure out a common ground. No, 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 no. What is the what is the the bishop, the elder? What does it say? Subjection with what? In all gravity. Yes. Mm-hmm. With. With. Excuse me. With all gravity. Okay. Finish off that verse Okay. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Mm -hmm. Not a novice, least being lifted up by pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Mm -hmm. Moreover, he must have a good report of them, which are without. Mm -hmm. Least he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil." Thank you. So he's got to be a a man who knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. He's got to be a man who speaks the truth always, at all times. I do want to say this again. How do you feel? Sometimes we have to not listen to our bodies and and I wish I could I wish I could uh, come up with some more eloquent words. but to the bishop he's got to do that all the time. That has got to be a part of his spiritual DNA that at all times he has to stand up for truth. He can't just be around you know his buddies and I say that word he can't be around non-Christians and hear them curse, speak about women a certain way, do things, and him just kind of sit there and be like, well, you know, that's just what they do. You know, because silence is permission. If I don't stand up for the truth, conversely, I'll tell you this, brothers and sisters in Christ, You are like a light and all the flies and insects are going to gravitate towards you. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many times I've been asked by some random person for help. I don't know how many times I've been a crying shoulder to somebody. I don't know how many times people have just randomly come up to me and, and expressed a difficulty that they're going through in their lives and then you know, a, a verse or two comes to mind that I'm able to impart. That's, I'm sure, happened to all of you. You are a lightning rod for the truth and you are, I guess I would say, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, repellent to those things that are evil. I got it. But it requires that you stand up for the faith, speak the truth in love, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, be instant in season and out of season. Don't let fear or apprehension hold you back. Right. You are special, you are a royal priesthood. A peculiar people. Do you need more friends? No? Okay, so so you're you're lonely a little bit. You're lonely a little bit. Maybe you like the companionship of a man if you're a woman, or you like the companionship of a woman, if you're a man, you can't find one because they don't look like you, they don't talk like you. I'm talking about in a spiritual sense here, right? They're hard to find. Yeah, they are. But you have that companionship. Jesus is your friend. Now you may say, "Well, I need somebody to to, to keep me warm at night." Okay, I understand that. Man, you're human. We're all social creatures. I get it. So, why don't you pray for it? Mm-hmm. Instead of going out into this world and finding some derivative, um, some you know, poor carbon copy, some excuse for the type of man or the type of woman that God would want you to have. Why don't you go to your friend, Jesus Christ, who said that he is your friend, and he will do whatever it is in his power to, to as a friend, to make your life happy, to bring about that joy that you are seeking. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is go to him and pray, and be faithful; that he will deliver. Right. But you got to do your part too. Right. Right. There, there's no one-way friendships with Christ. Right. He is our friend because. Uh, because he first loved us, but what did he say? I consider my friend, or a friend to me is the one who is what? Obedient to my commandments, mm-hmm. who does whatsoever I say. So you got to do your part too, and part of that is, is standing up. And I'm not saying, oh, you're a sinner. Mm -hmm. But just saying, hey, time out. Why are we talking this way? Why are you thinking this way? You know, I tell people all the time when they start talking bad about somebody, and I automatically try to empathize with the person they're complaining about. Well, maybe maybe they're acting that way because they just had a bad day. right? Right. I mean, maybe they've got something going on at home that is causing them to be super abrasive when they come into work. I know this because I used to be that guy. I know this because, you know, people used to say that my mom was a little abrasive. You guys know my mom. My mom is the sweetest, most non-abrasive person. But listen, when she's stress for time when things need to get done. She's about her business. And that may come off to others as being abrasive. So I automatically empathize. I say, hey, far be it from me to judge this person, but maybe they're going through some stuff. Why would you talk about your girlfriend that way? She loves you. She cares about you. I mean, obviously, she's thought enough to... To hit yourself with you, and, I, and I've seen you. <laughs> I know what you do. I know you change your underwear once every three days, right? I, I know, Yeah, I'm, I'm being facetious here, but you get the point, right? When people start talking bad about the coach, well, time out, guys. You know the coach is married with a wife and kids. He's got, like, real bills to pay. He's got, like, Two jobs. I'm sure you know his athletic director is pushing him to put forth, you know, a, a positive, you know, a, a high-end product. He's under a lot of stress. Near one of us on this team is married, has children, has real bills, has two or three bosses to answer to. Maybe we ought to just cut him some slack because we haven't walked a mile in his shoes. Saying that changes the perspective. There is a scriptural basis for what you just said. Mm -hmm. It changes the perspective. It gets people to think in a better and I say better in the context of spiritual things in a better mindset. And you can be that person. You have to be that person because you are a disciple of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ would do that every day of the week. With me. So the lesson is yours. If you're here this morning and you struggle with that, um, if you've allowed fear and apprehension to hold you back from speaking the truth, being that lightning rod or vis a vis that repellent of all those things evil, that you can get that right this morning. You can, you can make that known. Um, And uh, we will pray on your behalf that God will strengthen you in that way. You know, the the scripture also says that we are to confess our faults one to another. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about this silence thing. We are so afraid of other people judging us. That we, we would much rather live our lives struggling with whatever fault that we're struggling through than to have than to be a benefactor of someone's personal judgment. And that's what I perceive. That's what you perceive. You've all been there. I know because I've been there. You know, you know you're struggling with something, but you know, if you let that be known, people are gonna think, oh. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) you'd rather struggle with that fault than run the risk of somebody looking down on you you just got to read what Paul just said people are going to judge you anyway Anyway. there's nothing you can do about it we had a sister who confessed a fault Probably one of, I won't even say the worst, because all sin is sin, but a number of us in this room are like, aghast at it, that's an emotional response, that's a physical response, okay, get it, but she, at the risk of being, you know, I guess you would say, being looked down upon as a bad person by all of us, she couldn't. She couldn't deal with it anymore. Right. She wanted to be freed of that fault more than she was worried about what all of us were going to say about it. Okay. And I tell you what, not only was that one of the most um, one of the one of the most repulsive things I've heard. that was one of the most bravest acts I've ever experienced in my life. Because I couldn't have done what she did. So, if you're here this morning, and you want to be free from that fault, you struggle with it. Scripture says, confess your faults one to another so that you know, we can pray for one another for the strength that it takes, the strength that only God can provide to overcome whatever fault. Think about the freedom that would come The okay, when when you were all baptized, I'm going to stop talking and Brother Sister Christ. I know Brother Marzette is itching to give this song of invitation. He's done, Okay, so he's done one of these half stand-ups, like, twice now. Um, and I'll stop talking. But do you remember how free you felt at your baptism? Yes. Ever since then, you've been accruing the baggage of these personality traits that lead to faults. Right? You can be freed of that. All you have to do is confess. And the power of that freedom just doesn't come from the confession. I mean, that's not the key facet of the of the of the process is you confess, the prayers come as a result, and then God, subsequent to hearing those prayers, provides the strength, the deliverance, the freedom to overcome that fault. But it starts with the confession. So if you're here, as we always do, if you if you have a confession, if there's a fault that you're overcome with, if there's a prayer you need, we will sing a song of invitation. Um, I'm assuming after we sing the song of invitation 100% of us are going to spread to the front and confess a fault. How do I know that? Because all of us have faults. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'll start. So we'll sing the song of invitation and Thomas will get the confession of fault started.